Want a fresh take on what's going on with the Saints, LSU, the betting world, and the NFL? Then you've picked the right place. Jim Derry has plenty of datitude, and he's ready to tell you the way it is. Well, the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends around the country who are extremely happy and extremely sad all at the same time. This is Datitude, episode number 69 for a Friday, April the 29th, 2022. I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Times-Picayune, the advocate and bet.nola.com. Now, I'm here live, well, not live for you, live for me, live as I speak on this mic from Caesars Palace in Las Vegas for the NFL draft. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you, I have lived a blessed life. You know, there are people out there that are, I say it all the time, that are on roofs and, and when it's 95 degrees and they're building fences and they come pick up our trash and... They build houses. There are people who do way more important jobs than I do. And way tougher jobs than I do. I have been blessed. Um, Love you. Because, you know, I have nothing to complain about. And um, I say that when, when I'm at, in a moment where this is one of the coolest things that I've been able to do. At the NFL draft here. And, um. I said it many times on, and if you watched any of our shows yesterday, uh, this is probably the first time I've been able to cover an NFL draft throughout 31 plus years in the business. And, um, you know, I've been around them. We've, I've done shows on them. I've done live shows. I've been in New Orleans, but I've never been at the draft location. And uh, it has been quite an experience. We're going to talk about all that in, in a little bit, but. <clears throat> You know, I saw a post on social media earlier that kind of got my attention, and I started thinking about it. It made me wonder. Um, a friend of mine, a person I've known for a long time, uh, worked on the side in our business, talked about how he was uh, a little peeved at Fox 8's coverage of sports, their sports uh, segment yesterday, last night, that they let off with the Saints draft, and spent more time talking about the Saints than they did the Pelicans. And I started, at first, my immediate reaction was he's right. But then I started thinking about it, and I'm like, you know, I don't think he is. Um, and that's going to be kind of the subject of my monologue this morning. Obviously, we have a lot to be happy for. And while we're sad that the Pelicans are out of the playoffs, I mean, this, this podcast is going to be it's going to be more Saints in NFL draft. I mean, a lot because I'm in Las Vegas and my company paid for me to come to Vegas and they want me to talk about the NFL draft. But we have to talk about the Pelicans as well. But which one is bigger? Which one is a bigger news item? The fact that the Saints had their, the first, their two first-round picks, both players who will come in here and be immediate starters. Or is it the Pelicans bowing out of the playoffs? And I think it's the Saints because of this. Um, first off, the, for the future of New Orleans sports looks as bright to me as it's looked in 
as long as I can remember. I mean, you have the Saints, I think, who are going into a season. These two draft picks are huge for this franchise. I, I, I know a lot of people wanted to pick a quarterback, or maybe they didn't like Olave, or maybe they didn't like Trevor Penning. Uh, they thought they were better players at the position. I personally, I don't know if I think that or not. I mean, it, uh, Trevor Penning was the one that I certainly wanted the Saints to t- hope the Saints would target on the, as an offensive tackle. And you could argue Chris Olave. I think he fits in here. Um, obviously, he's going to work well with Michael Thomas being from Ohio State. And I think that works out well. But you look at the Pelicans, and they lose the first-round matchup. They're out of the playoffs, obviously. No one expected them to be here. I think, But I think for the Pelicans as it is the Saints, obviously, we're talking about the future. I think this series, although it happened in the present, I think this as much is about their future as it is today. And we've talked about this. And football is king here in Southeast Louisiana. And we're going to get into some of these interviews in a minute. And, you know, Chris Paul, the man we love to hate right now, because, and look, he ticked me off too, some of the things I saw. Just crushing Jose Alvarado. But, you you know, if you look at it from his side, if you're Jose Alvarado, you take that with a badge of honor, right? I mean, he did that because he was getting under his skin the entire way. So we're going we're gonna to hear some words from, from CP3 in a little bit. If you didn't hear him last night or this morning, um, they're very interesting. Um, he talks about his love for New Orleans, and I know a lot of people roll their eyes when they hear that. What do, you, what, what do you expect him to do? He's a member of the Phoenix Suns now, and he gets paid to play for the Phoenix Suns, and he's playing the way that he thinks is best. I mean, that's the way he plays. If he's on your team, you love it. If he's on the other team, you hate him. It's like any other sport. So we're going to hear from that in just a minute. Um, I apologize for the lateness of Datitude today. I know this is the latest I've ever released Datitude. But, I'm hey, I'm getting, I can't, I can't get used to the specific time thing. I've only been here for two days now. But um, I couldn't live out here. I, I just got to be straight up. Vegas is great. I've been to California. Sure, it's wonderful. Um, but you can have that Pacific time zone. It's not for me. Uh, games come on at 4.30. I mean, we are going to the draft yesterday to, to get ready, and I'm like, I'm realizing, oh, wait, the Pelicans are about to start. Oh, wait, the, the Raptors and Six has already started. It's 4 o'clock. I could not get used to that. Uh, whatever. So... You guys in the Pacific time zone, whoever's listening to me out there, God love you, but uh, you can have that time. Um, and I'll be all messed up when I get back home. That'll be interesting. Let's start with the Saints. Um, and we're going to have Zach Ewing on in a little bit, and we're kind of a recap of uh, we got together last night um, to talk a little bit about what we thought. It, it, you know, I think we both felt the same way. It was a great draft. And, you know, I love hearing these, the interviews of these guys after they get drafted and some of the 
great things that they have to say. The fact is that neither one of them know what it's like to play in the NFL. So I'm not sure that they know what they're getting into. But they're excited to get that part of the journey started. Let's start with the first pick. And, um, you know, I, I was surprised that the Saints traded up to get a receiver. With as many receivers as there are in this draft, it just goes to show you how much they were targeting Olave. Um, you don't trade up. And I, and I know they didn't give, in the grand scheme of things, didn't give up a whole bunch. Uh, one of their picks coming up later today, uh, depending on when you're listening to this. But, uh, but I, look, I've said it before. If you think you're a solid team and you're only missing a couple pieces, which is what this team thinks, whether we believe them or not. I mean, I, I think they're close to being a couple pieces away. And they think they're right there. So you make your move and you get who you want. And obviously, Chris Olave was the guy they were targeting. And now he comes in here and he gets to prove right away whether the administration was right. So let's hear some of the things Chris Olave had to say after being drafted with the 11th pick of the NFL draft by the New Orleans Saints. When you kind of got wins that it might be the Saints. I had no idea uh, coming into draft, draft day. I had, I had no idea going. I just knew the range where I was going to go. I had no idea that I was going to trade up. And when I got that call right after my teammate got selected, uh, that's when uh, my dreams turned into reality. So. Speaking of teammates, Chris, the, the Ohio State pipe, pipeline down here to New Orleans is, is getting even stronger, man. Your, your reaction to the guys you're going to be joining and how much time do you get to spend with them? Uh, I can't wait. I mean, they like they, they told me in the process uh, they love the Buckeyes, so uh, I, I knew it was going to be a, a good a good fit for me uh, playing alongside Mike Thomas, and uh, I'm glad we got that pipeline going. Who, who are the guys that you watch? Uh, Terry McLaurin, uh, Deshaun Jackson, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams. I watch a lot of NFL receivers, Justin Jefferson. Uh, try to take a lot of a little, little bit of things out of their game, plug it into mine, and use it in my own way. Is that, is that something you've always done, like going back a while, or when, when did you kind of get serious about that? Uh, I got serious about it probably like uh, my sophomore year of college, uh, uh, so it's like 2019. Uh, I just wanted to keep getting better and better uh, uh, throughout my career, so that's, that's what I did my all time. Did you know uh, the Saints were on the clock um, when um, you were drafted? Were you confused by a New Orleans number, or did you know that they were on the clock? Uh, no, I didn't know. Actually, uh, Garrett was right next to my uh, my little uh, area, so uh, right when Garrett got Garrett got drafted, I'm over there uh, with him and I try to congratulate him, and then uh, I got a call right away from New Orleans uh, right right after he got drafted. So. Chris, what were your interactions with the Saints before being drafted? How many times did you meet them? Uh, we had a we have a really good relationship. Uh, I never went on a visit there, but they came to my pro day. Uh, they brought the whole coaching staff uh, to come see us, and we uh, went we went to dinner and uh, they talked to all, really all the Buckeyes, and uh, we really had a good connection there. And, uh, we stayed. We we talked a couple times after that, but that's pretty much it. Well. <clears throat> Interesting conversation. Um, I'm not sure how much Chris Olave got interviewed when he was at Ohio State. I mean, sometimes these kids don't. Um, so I'm not. I know you could tell. I don't. He know. He doesn't know what he's getting into here. I don't mean that in a bad way at all. Um, you know, the, as much as Ohio State fans go nuts, uh, 
and really any school, is completely different when they come to New Orleans, right? But I think he will fit in well here. I think he is a perfect fit as far as receivers go. And one thing he said early on, it's a reason why I left that piece in the clip. People were trying to <clears throat> figure out who he compares best to. And we were kind of saying Terry McLaurin last night. It's interesting, and I hadn't heard that until this morning. But I found it interesting that he said himself that he's watches film of Terry McLaurin. It was the first name he mentioned. So I find that interesting. Um, and I do think if the Saints get a guy like Terry McLaurin, which is what he could be, and bear him up against Michael Thomas on the other side, man, what a combo that could be. It, it could be phenomenal. So, uh, you know, you try not to get too hyped up about a draft. But, I mean, you, you look at what, what there is and what the Saints need, if it's not one, it's 1A or 1B or whatever, the, the need. And so now there's, a, there's almost a plethora of wide receivers if you look at who's there. We're going to get into that with Zach Ewing in a little bit. So I'm going to save some of the wide receiver talk because I want to get into to Trevor Pitt. There's lots of things I want to fit in a short time because we need to, we need to make sure this, this podcast is not too long today because there's so much going on. And obviously day two of the draft is starting and we're going to have live shows on that. So I know I'm all over the place this morning, but there's so much going on. Um, and Trevor Penning, Ed, uh, friend texted me last night, is this where we go quarterback? You know, in between the Olave pick and the Penning pick. And I'm like, no, you don't draft the quarterback. The Saints don't need to draft the quarterback. They need to draft an offensive lineman. You've signed Jameis Winston to a two-year deal, and you have no left tackle. So you need to draft a left tackle, and preferably one that can start now. At worst, you draft a right tackle, and you either move him to left tackle, or you move Ramchek over. But that's not ideal. So what do you do? You go out and you pick a left tackle, who has not only played that position throughout his entire career, but he can come in and start right away, which is what this team needs. I mean, there'll be bumps and bruises, and I, I look, no team usually looks forward to having a rookie at left tackle. You like to bring in someone like that, and more often than not, they start at right tackle or they play another position on the line for a little bit or they come in in spots and play under a veteran that's been in the league for eight or ten years and then they move in. But the Saints don't have that luxury. So Penning's going to start right away. And listening to Trevor Penning talk, another guy, and this is more understandable because he played in Northern Iowa and he probably didn't talk to the big media, and he's a tackle. So he probably didn't talk to the media all that bunch, uh, much. Uh, I really uh, enjoyed his interview. Let's hear a little piece of it here. Um. You know, New Orleans, that's a really cool place to uh, be able to be a part of and, uh, you know, join the Saints. It'll be a, it'll be a super cool time for sure to uh, become a Saint. Okay, I, I before I play the rest of it, I had to stop there. I mean, this as I get older, these are the kinds of moments that I just, I love. The naivete and the just 
Unno- you have no idea what you're about to get yourself into, Trevor Penning. <laughs> I mean, I want to take this clip, and I want to compare. I, I mean, this kid could be, you hope anyway, that he's a 10, 12-year vet, right? You want to take this clip, because usually offensive linemen, especially tackles more often than not, are guys we go to in the media and talk to and get clips from during the week. And you think of Zach Streif and just a host of other linemen throughout their careers. That's who you go talk to when you like need something quick and you know they're going to give you a good quote. Trevor Penning, that is awesome. Because I'm going to take this clip and 10 years from now I'm going to play it back to him. All right, let's move on. Hey, Trevor, did you kind of figure the Saints would have been one of the teams that, that was in on you? Um, potentially. I mean, there's a bunch of teams that I could, I could definitely see uh, becoming a part of. But Saints, I mean, they were one of my teams that uh, I definitely thought could be a possibility. So it's an incredible, incredible uh, situation I got. So, And just for you, for you in particular, I, I mean, I guess, you know, you weren't like a super highly recruited guy and, uh, you know, you're playing at, at Northern Iowa. What, did you envision yourself being a first-round pick? And, uh, you know, when did this kind of feel like a reality for you? Um, no, I would say first off, I probably would not say, uh, you know, kind of before this last year, I really didn't think that was a possibility. But um, hearing more and more and of it becoming a possibility, I thought it was uh, incredible. And, uh, you know, being able to be 19th pick, I mean, that's incredible. It's incredible. I never would have thought this when I was younger. Like, it's, it's insane to think about, and I couldn't be happier. It's incredible. Did you hear that? It's incredible. I love it. I, I love the exuberance of youth. Again, neither one of these kids, I don't think, has any clue of what, them getting in, what they are getting into. Chris Olave probably more than Trevor Penning. But um, it's going to be fun to watch and watch these kids develop. Um, let's get into the conversation with Zach and I, and I'm going to finish off with the Pelicans because I think it would be kind of weird to go into – Willie Green and Chris Paul's comments, and because um, Zach and I talk mostly about the Saints. That's so. That's how I'm going to wrap up the show. I'm going to wrap up with the pen, with the uh, Pels. If you want to jump to that spot, uh, the interview with Zach and I lasts about 24 minutes, so you could skip to about minute 43, somewhere around there, is when we talk. Uh, when I get back to the Pels. Welcome into the Datitude Podcast on a Friday morning. Here from Las Vegas, from Caesars Palace, Zach Ewing, bet.nola.com, sports director. And uh, Zach, we've had an interesting time here. We've only, you know, we've only been here for 36 hours or whatever. It seems like we've been here a whole lot more than that. <laughs> it, that that's kind of how Vegas works, isn't it? It's, it? Time works in mysterious ways, and after about three days... You can't stand the place anymore, but it's a really fun three days. It, it really has been, and uh, you know, before we get to the Saints part of it, uh, and obviously the, you know, we we're gonna hear from some, hear different interviews in a little bit, but uh, I, I have found this, and I've told this to some friends via text. I've had a bunch of texts the, the last day and a half, and people want to know what it's like, and um, I think this has been one of the most unique experiences that I've 
you know, we, we, we've all covered some big things in our careers and done a lot of things in sports that we wouldn't, wouldn't normally do and we're lucky and all that. But th- this one, um, although I'm exhausted and I haven't had a chance to go do anything really, in, uh, you're in Vegas, supposed to play, but just seeing the people and the different kinds of people and people wearing, groups of people wearing Jaguars jersey, a Rams jersey, and a Giants jersey. You're like, it sounds like a joke. It's not. I mean, all jerseys and people in groups together, all different people. So I don't know if it's like people are getting together from different parts of the country and their friends or whatever, but it's been pretty cool to watch. Yeah, I mean, the atmosphere has been fantastic. Um I don't know. The part I don't understand is how many of them are here to watch the draft. Um, how many of them are here just to sort of soak in the atmosphere, which is which is cool. Um, but I have to say, when we were over at the draft venue, and there's a hundred thousand people or whatever it is who are just packed like sardines into this space, and it's you know it was warm. It was 85 degrees. Um, the sun's beating down on you. You got you got to wait ten minutes in between every pick. Like it just doesn't seem very fun to be in that situation. I I I said this to you earlier yesterday. It, some t- it, it it's unlike any event I've ever seen in that more people are here just to say that they're here and soak in the atmosphere than they are actually here to watch the event. No, I I, I agree. I think that's true. And uh, you look at how many people were actually at the event. And, you know, we, we saw the, the thrones of people, even though we were in the press room, we got a chance to at least see how many people were down there and, you know, rushing back to try to do the Saints, uh, the live Saints shows. But, uh, man, it is crazy how many people are here. And it is crazy uh, to think that they can – I guess they do it for Mardi Gras. They can do it here in Vegas too, probably in an even smaller area than, than in, in New Orleans. Well, and I guess that's the theme for us this week because all of those people, I think, knocked out our internet connection yeah, and our five G right. connection, and just made that. I mean, the, you talk about people texting you. The word I've used when my friends ask me what it's like more than any other is is chaos. Right. It's it's just utter chaos. All right. Well, let's get into the Saints uh, and what we think. And um, you know, I've already made it clear in my monologue what I think, but. Uh, it, Look, the Saints went into this draft with two specific needs. Uh, they tried to, I guess, divert attention in some aspects or whatever by saying, you know, let's they, we might move up to get Kenny Pickett. We knew, we knew realistically that if this organization is uh, as good as we think they are and know what they're doing as much, they they never they never do what the smoke screen tells us they're going to do. So getting Olave and getting Penning are. They're not only two needs uh, that they have, but they're the two names that we've been kind of really talking about for the last month. Yeah, I mean, mean, the only thing that didn't go according to plan was that the Saints very rarely follow the plan. Yeah. Um, They they do tend to trade up and go pick the guy they really wanted, Um, and it's not always the guy that everyone thought they wanted. And and so that's where you get uh, your... Your picks that don't always make a lot of sense at the time, and they've done pretty well with that. I mean, look, they they had the luxury to do that for many years under Mickey Loomis, to go and take the guy they wanted. Other assets be damned. I'm going to move up, and I'm going to grab Marcus Davenport. 
um, or Marshawn Lattimore or whoever it might be. That's the guy I want. Well, this year they, they had to move up. I think may, maybe that was the only unexpected thing is that instead of getting Olave and Penning at 16 and 19, they had to go to 11 and 19. Well, and however it works, I mean, you know, we were talking about it on our Mad Dash back, uh, I think after we did the first uh, Live Saints show, that, you know what, they really didn't give up a whole lot to move up five places, and if you're getting who you want, you might, you know, you, you give up a middle-round pick or early to middle-round pick, and you get what you want, and it usually pays off in the end. Yeah, I, I mean, it, this is not to say that you cannot find a great player in the third or fourth round. I mean, right. Alvin Kamara is a perfect example right. of that. Um, Tom Brady, as we all know, was picked in the sixth round. It, it can happen, and it does happen, but if you're the Saints... And you have a 53-man roster, and numbers 48 through 53 on that roster are better, much better than league average. You really have to find a good player in the third or fourth round to make an impact on your roster. And so what they did was, instead of, instead of betting that they could do that, they said these picks are more valuable to use as assets to move up and get the wide receiver we want. And if Chris Olave, um, the comp I've seen for him is Terry McLaurin. If he's the next Terry McLaurin, that's quite a receiver. Well worth it. Uh, no question about it. And to go with Michael Thomas and to think you could have Michael Thomas and, and a Terry McLaurin, that would be phenomenal. Uh, and then you get Traquan Smith if he's healthy. I mean, now you're talking about you go from being super thin at that receiver position to really in a really nice spot. Marquez, Marquez um, Callaway, exactly. Uh, um, Deontay Harris. Um, not, I mean, these guys are, have all made plays at times in their careers, and you don't want those guys to be receivers one, two, and three, as they were this past right. year. But if they're three, four, and five, okay, now now we're talking. Yeah, I agree, one hundred percent. Okay, it's day two is interesting. Uh, we. I say we. I try to get myself out of that habit. The Saints pick uh, make their pick at 49. And, um, you know, talking yesterday on all of our shows, we did three different shows um, at different times throughout the day. But, uh, you know, I w- I'm convinced that the Saints would not draft a quarterback. Um, but after kind of thinking about it a little bit and seeing all the quarterbacks now that are going into day two, I don't think the Saints would trade up to get a quarterback, but I think if a guy like Matt Corral is around, and I've made this clear over the last two months, I think Matt Corral, I personally think he's the best quarterback in the draft. Um, I think if a Matt Corral is around when the Saints pick at 49, then it maybe you start thinking maybe they do take a quarterback. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe for the value it makes sense. I just don't feel like... And, and this is going to sound weird, but in the second round especially, you only get these guys under contract for three years. Right. Is is Jameis Winston not going to be the starter for at least two of those three years? And if that's the case, I, I don't think that's the best way you could use that pick. I, I just don't. I, I mean, unless, unless you don't believe in Jameis Winston, which, you know, the Saints went after Deshaun Watson first. They clearly did not make it known that Jameis was their first choice. So maybe they don't believe in it. But, I mean, I have to think that if you give him that two-year deal, 
you think he can start for two years and you can compete for two years. And so to me then at, at 49, uh, you, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just best player available. And maybe that is Matt Corral. But um, this is a team that no longer has any glaring holes. Maybe safety. I will say this. Um, I am. I have become, over the past, I guess, six to eight months, a huge Jameis supporter. Um, I think that he has changed. Uh, he, he's definitely better than I thought he would be, and I think he's a potential franchise-leading quarterback. I didn't say he is a franchise-leading quarterback, but I think he's a potential franchise-leading quarterback. However, with that being said, um, I said that for the for the haters because the haters who just want him to draft the quarterback no matter what because they hate Jameis Winston for some unknown reason, but that's another story. Um, with that being said, if Jameis Winston doesn't work out, I think their, the contract with him is friendly enough to where – you could void the second year of it, and it wouldn't kill you to eat 11 or $12 million if that's the route you wanted to go um, and if things don't work out. So I think that, that there is more of a possibility of drafting a quarterback if that certain quarterback that you really like falls into your lap. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, I also think that if this year goes poorly – Next year's draft is more quarterback rich. Of course, the Saints don't have a first round. That's pick right. Next year, um, but but maybe you find a way to get into the back half of the first round and pick a guy in a deep quarterback draft. Um, I, I still say it's more likely, even if next year doesn't go well, Jameis gets his two seasons, see what happens, and then if that doesn't work, you reset in twenty twenty four and take a quarterback. In the draft or chase a free agent or whatever whatever it is you do, you start over. The only problem with resetting is, and I I mean, I, I don't disagree with you, but the only problem with the resetting is I think the defense is kind of in a position that the offense has been in for a few years to where there are a lot of guys in this defense that are getting a little long in the tooth. Mm-hmm. And I think you're in a position now to where you need to win the next year or two or you – I don't want to say start over on defense – but you're getting pretty close to where you're going to have to make some changes uh, and and bring in some new faces after the next year or two. So I, I don't. I think that that's why you want a veteran quarterback like Jameis here anyway, um, because you're hoping he can lead you. Because if you're going to win, you need a veteran quarterback. You've already got a solid defense. Now you've got an outstanding uh, receiving core. You filled a huge hole with Penning at left tackle. So that leads me to the one hole I think they have on offense. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Saints go in the direction of running back. I know that, that they do need a safety, I agree. Um, but that's something I think that is easier to get in free agency. I think I think you might see a running back t- chosen with pick number 49, assuming they stay there. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's interesting um, – yeah, they, they have some room under the cap. They can sign a starting-level player at, at least one position, and I think safety makes the most sense. But, yeah, running back, I, I don't know. I mean, in some ways this is a team, like I said, that doesn't have any major holes left. Again, maybe safety, but you have enough room under the cap. You go get, whether it's Tyron Matthew or somebody else, you go get somebody to start there. Um, and so you have a little bit of a luxury at the same time this is probably the only top 50 pick the Saints have left until 2024. Yeah. 
You That's know, scary. Uh, they, they don't have any more this year. In fact, they don't have any more top 150 picks in this year's draft. After 49, the next pick is 161. And then next year, assuming that you're a playoff caliber team or close to it, you're not picking until the second or second half of the second round in the 50s. Um, and so you've got to be careful. Um, I don't know if that means you trade it back and try to get a couple of picks in the 70s and 80s. Um, I don't know if that means you just take take the best player available and say this is we're happy with our roster. I don't I don't think the Saints make that trade with the Eagles unless they're confident in their roster, um, and they are. I, I think because you're going for it, and now you have a couple more offensive pl- players from the first round. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm looking. It's funny you said running back, and I I open up the ESPN app. Okay, which running backs are available? And the, the number one guy is Brees Hall out of Iowa State. Yeah. I don't know that he'll be there at 49. If he is, boy, he's intriguing. Because I, I like him. And look look who uh, ESPN and Matt Miller's NFL comp for Brees Hall is. It's Alvin Kamara. Yeah. I mean, I, like, and, and that's what you want, right, is another Alvin Kamara to be there. And out running backs um, all, their, their clock ticks faster than other positions. We, Alvin Kamara is going to miss games this year, most likely. Um, he's not going to be around forever, and so yeah, that's that's an intriguing pick. I, I don't know that he's going to last 18 picks into tomorrow. But that would be does, something if he did. If but, he does, that would be that would be an interesting interesting um, choice. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that at all. But uh, and that that is the thing we we don't know how long Alvin Kamara is going to be out. We don't know what's going to happen August 1st with his trial. They keep pushing this thing back. Maybe they'll push it back again. I don't know. But uh, he's gonna. even if they push it back again, you would think he's going to receive a suspension by the NFL at some point, no matter what happens with this thing. I know that people are hoping that, okay, well, maybe he'll get out of trouble. Maybe he'll get out of legal trouble. But he's not going to get out of NFL trouble. And if you're the Saints, by the way, you want him to go ahead and, uh, listen, go take your medicine on August yeah, get 1st. get it over with. Because if it gets pushed back another six weeks... Then he goes to court. Then the NFL makes his decision. Yeah. Well, he's missing the last six games of the year instead of the first six games, or, or whatever the number is. Um, and that's what you don't want. Well, they're trying to find a way, I'm sure, of getting out of him out of the – well, he's not going to get out of trouble, but they're trying to make it as least damaging as possible, I'm sure. Okay. Um, but overall, let's talk about just real briefly, because we've got to wrap this up. But uh, – just real briefly, what was and we, we talked about it on the show a little bit. What were your biggest surprises? And I know sort of the we talked about how the first ten or twelve picks went according to schedule, and they never do that. Um, was there anything else that really struck you? The draft it was almost like two drafts in this first round, two two rounds because you had the first part of the draft that went super according to script, and then. Trades galore and all kinds of weird picks. Yeah, and there were nine trades, which is a record for the first round. But the Saints moving up to 11 was the first one. Yeah. So they were all in the last 22 picks, which is amazing. I mean, that's almost every other pick was a trade at that point. Um, I, I don't know. A couple things. Not that these were surprises, but and, and that's because we watch the odds, right? Like, if you see the odds, you're not going to be surprised by them. But I am surprised that Trevon Walker ended up as the number one pick. Uh, not in the sense that I didn't see it coming the last couple of days like everyone did, but just in the sense that it that it moved that way at all. Because 
Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau, they were the guys for months and months and months and months. And they didn't really do anything to, to dispute that notion. And so Trevon Walker, I mean, tremendous upside. Maybe he'll end up being the best player. I'm yeah. a little surprised by that. Same thing with Derek Stingley at three. I think he. Could, I was super surprised. I, I think he could be a tremendous player. Um, I don't know if you're the Houston Texans and you have the number three pick in the draft and you have holes literally at every position group on your roster. If cornerback is the first one you want to fill. I think that's fill. great. Right? I, I don't know about that. I, and then. Also, just that he went above Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner's yeah. the bigger. He's three inches taller. He's, you know, was sort of expected to be the first one. Derek Stingley's a good player. You just player, like Sauce Gardner because of his name. Well. You've been talking about Sauce for Guilty as true. I've never called him Ahmad Gardner once. He's Sauce, baby. He's Sauce. Um, a little saucy. I, and then I, I guess the only other thing I would say is, and listen, this was a weak quarterback draft. We all knew it. And... For once, the teams actually listened to that. It was just last year. It was I don't know how many first-round quarterbacks there are in this draft. And then there was a crazy run on them. And, um, you know, left and right quarterbacks are getting taken. After Trevor Lawrence, okay, he was going to get taken number right. one. But after that, it was still four other guys in the first round. Who knows how many of those are really going to pan out. I thought that the, a lot of teams, NFL teams, were very disciplined. The Steelers took Kenny Pickett. But they did not have to move up to get him. Malik Willis is still out there. The, the, the funny thing about that is, and one of the big surprises to me, is even though I think Kenny Pickett's a better quarterback than Malik Willis, the Pittsburgh Steelers did an outstanding smokescreen job because they basically were putting all, putting it all out everywhere through their people that they wanted Malik Willis so bad, they were thinking about trading up into the top ten to get Malik Willis. That you know, it just it, this is this is the difference. What, in a, what a smoke screen! They they had me fooled, and then they go for the hometown. They were not going to let it happen again. Dan Marino got free in 1983. <laughs> they weren't letting Kenny Pickett go free. Most franchises, I'd say, it had nothing to do with it. But in, the Steelers, I mean, that franchise has some history. And it's some yeah. family history, and it—I mean, they. But Mike they, Tomlin they was like, "I love Malik Willis, and he's—he's he's going I, to visit him all over the place." I don't. I, I mean, it's no surprise. Teams like the Steelers and the Ravens, and frankly, the Saints have good draft after good draft after good draft, and it's teams like the Jets that fall in love with Zach Wilson and, right, and then they go pick him. Yeah, you know, and, and go <laughs> trade a bunch of assets to get Zach Wilson. You know, okay, Zach right. Wilson showed some things last year. Right, right. I don't know that he should have been a top five pick. Um, where do you think Willis ends up? I'm, I'm looking at the second round order here. Um, give me Texans. The, give me the first five. We got the Bucks. Okay, which Tom, Tom Brady's not going to be around forever. Well, that's true. I, mean, um, I doubt it. But, but again, you you take a guy in the second round. He's only under contract for three years. Yeah, so you don't want to take him as a, as I, a future. I think you're putting a little bit too much into that. I, maybe I so. that, but, but yeah. And Tom Brady only plays one more year. You do need. Somebody I mean, the else. thing is, if you only have a three year contract and you don't play for the first two years of it, you're probably not going to get a huge contract in your second deal. Even if you become a star in that third year, you're still probably going to get. Another three-year deal that's not going to be that expensive is my guess. We were talking about this earlier tonight. Second round is usually not where you see a lot of quarterbacks. No, go. but who, who that's else, going to be different tomorrow. Who so else behind? After him, the Bucks, right? you got the Vikings. Mm, probably not. Probably not. Titans. 
They need a quarterback. Yeah, they 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 will need to replace Tannehill sooner or later. That could definitely be a landing spot. Uh, then you have the Giants, who I don't definitely not think are ready to give up on no. Daniel Jones. And then the Texans, which they need a quarterback. Uh, they like Davis Mills. I think they're serious too. Okay. Uh, I would tell you that I was joking, semi-joking, when we did a mock draft. I was doing it to prove a point that I think that Atlanta makes a lot of mistakes, but I had him going to Atlanta with the eighth pick, even though I really thought it was going to be Drake London who they ended up picking. So they actually picked who I think they were supposed to pick. But when does Atlanta pick in the second round? So that's what I was just about to say. Atlanta picks 11th in the second round, 43rd overall. Would not surprise me at all. And the Seahawks... Although I think Matt Corral might go to Atlanta. The Seahawks have 40 and 41, the 8th and ninth pick. Another team that desperately needs a quarterback. Does Seattle or Atlanta make a move into those first five picks maybe to try to grab Malik Willis before the other one can? Only if they think that he's that much further ahead, head and shoulders ahead of Matt Corral, which I'm not sure. I, I think that if people thought he was as good as the smoke screen was letting out that they – you know, all we've been hearing is Malik Willis could be the steal, and he could go as high as the fifth pick and the sixth pick, and Carolina might even take him at the sixth pick. I, I just didn't get it. I mean, again, I, nothing against Malik Willis. He's just not my kind of quarterback. I don't see with, with all these other teams, and sure enough, he's falling in the second round. But now, I mean, to me, it's a no risk. You're not, you're not risking your future if you need a quarterback to bring in a Malik Willis or a Matt Corral in the second round. I so. like him as a second round pick. 100%. I, if so you was, do I. If you're taking him as a top 10 pick, that's crazy. But top 10 in the second round. What, what about like a team like Washington or Detroit? They pick in the middle of the second round. Could they move up and try to grab the, the quarterback that they like the best? I mean, there were rumors that Detroit was thinking about taking him. Um, or at least trading down to take him. Um, I don't know. I, I think if Detroit seems to be married to Jared Goff. Um, at least for now. Ugh. Oh, I, I take the same way. Um, I mean, but they're not going to win anytime soon anyway. They got him some weapons, though. I'll say that. Yeah, Jamison I mean, Williams. Yeah. They, I just. I. So no, I don't. I don't necessarily think that. I, I don't know. That's an interesting. It, it, we're going to have some surprises tomorrow too. So we'll have to wait. We, we'll talk about it at the book, yeah. uh, four o'clock on. On Friday, we'll talk more about the second and third round coming up. Which is a good way to end it and segue it. We thank you, uh, Zach. We know it has been a long day. Uh, well, I know because I've had the same day as you pretty much, and it's been a really long day. So thanks for uh, for ending it. And if you haven't figured it out, we've recorded this uh, on late Thursday night so we could get it up for you on Friday morning. It, it is Friday morning in Louisiana. It's, uh, that's right. It, yeah. is, it, is, it is 1 a.m. Friday morning in, in Louisiana. It is 11 a.m., 11 p.m., here in Vegas. But uh, thanks for joining us, and we will we have a couple more shows to do today here that you can find on vet.nola.com and on our nola.com Facebook and YouTube page, and we'll talk to you then. Yeah, I should have turned the air conditioner off, I guess, uh, before we do that recording. <laughs> I think I had on some weird setting, too, so that made it super weird. I didn't bring my screen filter, uh, my windscreen filter. I'm a mess. Um... So apologize for the the weird sound uh, that we had there, but important to talk about those things. Um, again, we didn't talk a whole lot about the Pelicans yesterday, and we're here in Vegas. That's why we're we're doing that, you know. And it's 
we're, we're not, I don't think we're skipping out on the Pelicans. So back to my original point. Are we dissing the Pelicans, I guess, because we talk about them last? And I don't think so. Again, you're talking about a Saints team that has been in New Orleans since 1966 or the end of 66 in, into 67. I think first first game, 67. Um, and so even the older folk, like people my parents' age, that's what they've known the entire – that's the sports scene they've talked about. The Pelicans are a relatively new phenomenon. Football is always going to be king here. Even if the Pelicans, you know, I tried to figure, what if the Pelicans were in the conference finals the same time as the NBA draft? Now, I know the calendar doesn't work out that way, so it'll never happen. But let's say they were. Would it be any different? Maybe. But the Saints are going to lead the, the headlines. It's just the way that it is. And it mean, we mean no disrespect, really. And I will tell you that not just from a journalistic perspective where they gave us something to write about and talk about. But as a fan of New Orleans sports, I've enjoyed this Pelicans team, I think, more than any other basketball team that's been here. And that's kind of saying something because I know that we haven't had a ton of them, but we've had a few. That last Chris Paul team that, you know, got eliminated, that won a playoff series, um, we're just inches away from making the conference finals. That was a special team. Um, that last AD team that won a first-round series and moved on, and then it just wasn't going to happen after that. But this team I've enjoyed more, and I think I've enjoyed it for multiple reasons. A, the number one reason is because the future is super bright. But B, because of this young coach and the players that are here, I don't see, I think you're going to see a whole lot of change going in next year. I mean, of course, Zion theoretically is going to be playing and starting in, in here. And there'll be a couple little changes. They'll lose a three or four guys and pick up one or two more. But for the most part, the team that you saw play last night and lose in game six and fight their asses off is the team you're going to see next year, except they're going to be better. And one of the things I loved about Willie Green is he always found the right things to say, it seemed like. And how much he's invested in this team. You could hear it in every single word he said. So I might play a little bit more of his clip than I played of some of these other clips because I think it's important. And I think it shows a little insight into Willie Green. They, they fought all the way to the end. So we're, we're, we're all proud of our guys. How hard was it that it had to be Phoenix in your, your first series as a head coach? One of the toughest things I've ever had to do um, in basketball is coach against people that I love and care about. So that, that was that was tough. 
I mean, what did you do to just like try to manage those emotions of like going up against some of you know your closest friends in the league? Just you know, concentrate on preparation. Concentrate on what we need to do. You know, we stop talking to each other, all of us, um, and just focus on the task at hand and, and trying to prepare our teams to be to go out and be the best that we could be. Yeah, we saw once the buzzer went off, you know, the emotions kind of came out for you. They're obviously still there. Can you just describe to us, you know, what are the source of those emotions? Um, just so proud of, of everything that we together accomplished. Um, and we poured a lot into this season. So, you know, I don't want to go too far into it because I might get emotional again. But just happy, happy, happy about our guys. Disappointed that, you know, our season is coming to a close. And I mean, we've talked about it all year. Uh, in a big moment, you needed the rookies, and those guys stepped up. Each and every one of them just described what was it like just seeing them tonight and just throughout the season. They terrific. Um, couldn't ask for a better effort. Like you said, we had three rookies on the floor, and um, all of them just battled. And they're tough. They know how to play. They play together. Um, they're not afraid of the moment. And uh, like I said, we're all extremely proud of our guys, and then we just stuck together all season. That was the key. You know, no matter what our record was, we came in and just worked. And uh, it's easy to do when you have high-character people in your organization. And uh, I'm, I'm extremely blessed and grateful to have just good people around us that are all about the right things. No matter what the record was, that's the part that you need to stress. I mean, we'll say it over and over again. It's, it's, we'll be talking about this years from now. 1 and 12, 3 and 16. That's what they were. And then put the fear of God into the top seed. The fear of God so much that they thought they needed to activate Devin Booker, who probably could have used, and he's going to get a little time off now before the next round starts. Not a whole lot. I think they start Monday. But you know that guy could have used more time off. We'll see if it affects it later. It affects them later. But they were scared. And then, well, they should have been. And they're downtown at halftime in a veteran team with a veteran point guard who knows how to get under people's skin. Led the charge. A guy that used to play here. And the only piece I'm going to play is, for those of you hating on Chris Paul, is he is 100% genuine and sincere when he talks about his love for New Orleans and how this place is his family. So think about that when you're hating on him, because I was hating on him too. But these comments say a whole lot about how he feels about the city. It's unbelievably special. You have no clue what it's like for me to walk in for the game, right? Like everybody that works back here and all this, these people are part of my family. Chris is by a locker room right here with the yellow coat on. Chris been there since I was here. Pound him before every game when I came here back when I played in New Orleans and did the same thing this entire series. My older brother sitting on the baseline. Like all these people, these, this is my family. People sitting courtside or whatnot, they've been here since since I was here. Show them the team, man. Show them what you got on, man. What is that? Knock it off. Tell them the story on it, where it came from, man. Young Money, Wayne. When I played here in New Orleans, Lil Wayne used to come to the games all the time. That's been my big brother for a long time. You know what I mean? So I made sure I wore, 
where this chain he gave me years ago for the night. Cause it's, it's nothing like playing here in this city. You know what I mean? It's nothing like it. I know I didn't went to other teams and all that, but the energy here, the way that they show so much love to the players, to the, um, to your family. You know, when I walk in, they ask me if my parents here and all that. So, uh, and then Willie, so many different ties, you know, to this team. Garrett Temple, um, uh, Gary Clark played in my AAU program. He's on the team. You know what I mean? So it's so many different ties to uh, to New Orleans, and it always will be. You got to respect that. You may not like what you saw or how he played the game. And he, look, when a guy goes 14 to 14, he'd be the nicest guy on the planet. You ain't going to like him very much. This is what it is. Chris Paul is certainly worthy of respect, whether you like him or not. And it's clear. I mean, that wasn't just lip service. Because when you're giving lip service, first of all, you only talk about it for 20 seconds and you move on. Yeah, I played. Well, what would AD say? What would Anthony Davis say? They asked about New Orleans. Took about a 15 seconds how great it was. The people are wonderful. Yeah, move on. That dude really meant what he said. And that mean, I don't know about you, but that means something to me. So, I mean, think about it. If, if you were playing basketball, you played for a different team, you came to New Orleans, what are you going to do? You're going to probably be as hyped up as you ever were. Show your friends. Show your family. Show the people you know. Show everybody. I loved my time here, but look, I play for another team now. We can be family again in, uh, in a year or two when I retire. I have respect for that. But, uh, you know, when it comes to the Pelicans and... Um, and basketball around, just I, I just can't say enough about Willie Green. We'll be talking more about him in the future. Um, the job that he did, I've said it for for months. It, it's nothing short of incredible. And I tip my hat to him. And uh, you know, I can't look. For, I can't wait to to meet him. I'm sure I will at some point. Uh, I have not met Willie Green in person. Uh, I have not done uh, as much with the Pelicans as I would have liked to, but we're going to change that next year. Um, we're going to certainly talk more about the Pelicans next year uh, going into, into the season. In fact, it won't be long. NBA draft coming up, and the Pels have the Lakers pick, so I think it's in June. I think the NBA draft is in June. We'll be talking about that. Uh, so the Pelicans will be getting another good player coming in here. That'll be fine. But, uh, you know, Lastly, before we let you go, NFL draft, NBA playoffs. It's New Orleans, baby. South. Football wins. I know people, some people don't want to hear that, but football wins. Hence, Zach and I are here in Vegas. And uh, that is going to wrap up the show for today. I got to get out there. Uh, We're about to do some live shows. So if you are listening to this before 4 o'clock, we're going to be doing a live uh, pre-draft show from out here at Caesars Palace outside like we did yesterday. Hopefully it won't be as windy as it was. And then we're going to have a live show uh, very briefly, probably 10 or 12 minutes, when the Saints make their second-round pick, which is the 49th pick of the NFL draft. They, I believe that is uh, 16, 17 picks in. Um, we will come on right before the Saints make their pick. 
We'll talk about the pick, and then we will bid you adieu. But if you're listening to this show after those things happen, you can always find them on our NOLA.com, Facebook, and YouTube pages. Um, and you can find this podcast, Datitude, wherever you listen to, if you just found this some kind of weird way. Uh, if you're not a regular, well, thanks for listening, first off. And uh, if you want to listen to this on a regular basis, you just go wherever you find your podcast, every major platform, it is there. And normally I cut out segments of this and put out little, I've been putting little video clips on our Facebook page, but I will not be able to do that with this one because we don't have any video. Uh, and we're here in Vegas and uh, we're a little bit limited. We will be back to normal next week. Uh, we will be back. Datitude episode number 70 will be on the air Uh Next Friday, we'll be back to uh, one show a week for the near future. We thank you for listening. We're going to leave you with kind of how we feel about the Pelicans. I'm not look when I when I go out with music, it's usually something from the '70s or the '80s because I'm old. But I I do listen to some current music, and I know this isn't like really really current. I know it's a little it's a it's a couple years old, but it fits the Pelicans. So I tell you what, that is my tribute to the New Orleans Pelicans. And this is kind of how they played. They had a lot, of, a lot of fight in them. And I still think they have a lot of fight in them, even though their season's over. So I think this song fits perfectly. We will see you next Friday for Datitude, episode number 70. Episode number 69 the books. Give a hug to the ones you love. The ones you don't, eh, just give them a wave, a smile, whatever. Be nice. See you next week. Peace and love, my friends.